Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any persons living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was their finest. Guys, welcome to Petri Dish. This is Nathan. I'm Sean. And I'm Andre. Yay! We brought Andre on because we're talking about a very important subject to Andre's life. We're talking about dogs. We're going to start a two-parter on dogs. Yeah, so out of everyone here, only one of us has a dog, and that's our guest. What kind of dog you got, Andre? Uh, my dog, Judas, is a standard poodle. Why is his name Judas? Uh, because that's the name my girlfriend wanted him to be when we got him. It, it's a good name. <laughs> it, it does suit him. It, it's funny how you could imagine Judas does have a nice sound to it, and there's probably a whole lot of Judases, and then something happened, and then there was like no more Judases. <laughs> the popularity on the the right. Google uh, popularity graph for that name yeah. really dropped off a cliff. It's like how nobody really names their son Adolf anymore. I was about to make that right. joke because Andre's dad is a Jewish man named Adolfo. Uh oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> So it's like it's like literally there's all these Adolfs, Adolf Hitler happens, and then there's one Adolfo left, and it's a Jewish man slash Andre's father. Well, if someone was going to carry on the mantle, it should be a Jewish person. I think. Why? Because <laughs> they're the only one that like can still own it. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Anybody else would be really dangerous. Anyway, guys, we did an episode on cats. Okay, and I express a lot of distaste towards cats, and I kind of realized I needed to cleanse myself a little bit. I want to talk about an animal we all like. It's funny because even cat people, a lot of them tend to like dogs, I think, begrudgingly, if nothing else, because they're man's best friend. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we actually we put a little poll out there, an episode poll. Oh, I see. You said humankind's best friend. Yes, that nice. is what I wrote. Gender neutral. Yes. I put some effort in. <laughs> uh, to be honest, the phrase man's best friend and how to write that gender neutral caused me like a lot of consternation. Like, really? I, like, I like, said man, woman, that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man and woman's best yeah. friend? LGBTQA like, best friend? Their best friend? Like, fuck me. Okay, anyway. <laughs> His, her um, best friend. So no, that's a binary. We put a poll out there and dogs won. And so I was like, all right, you know, I think that this is actually a topic Nathan brought up before that he wanted to do. And so we should really get into it. So in this first part, we're going to talk about the domestication of dogs and a little bit about different dog breeds and sort of their genetic history. We're going to get really into it, guys. I mean, the short story is that Victorian British people like really fucked over dogs. Yeah. And World War Two. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which the British were involved in. So I think that there's some kind of uh, British Rothschild-esque kind of conspiracy going on here. <laughs> Oof, man, you descend into Corbinite anti-Semitism really quickly. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the Protocols of the Elders of Zion killed all puppies. I'm just talking about a British version of that. Anyway. Okay, and then on part two, which we'll release the week after. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the more kind of behavioral science on dogs and things like dog jobs and... 
dogs smelling cancer and stuff like that. It's kind of funny how there's so much interesting speculative stuff about cats because cats occupy this really dangerous place in our society. Uh -huh. Whereas dogs are like, you know, how do, do they really help your anxiety? <laughs> it's like the science behind dogs. Yeah, basically. All right, so I think that we should go ahead and get on into it and start talking about dogs and their domestication. Okay, so part one, dogs. Sean's notes start with, did we domesticate dogs? What are you getting to, Sean? Or did yeah, dogs right? domesticate us? Oh, oh, okay. Now we're cooking. That's great, Andre. I love that. <laughs> because it's almost certain that because of the close relationship between dogs and humans that we did co-domesticate. But wait, what were humans like before we co-domesticated? Weren't humans like basically the yeah, same? Hunter-gatherers and shit. Did we become civilization because of dogs? I mean, I don't think so. But, but there, <laughs> there's some suggestion that we have genetically changed over time. In By fucking dogs. <laughs> in, in some ways that might have made us more eusocial in a similar kind of way that dogs might have. But whatever. Anyway, look. I don't want to slow us down, but what the fuck is eusocial? Uh, it's like a European dating site. <laughs> no, it, it means more pro-social, more wanting uh, to be able to get along with people, more cooperative. Ah, so like the antonym of Sean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason why the first question that I wanted to answer with domestication was, did it happen? Because it's, it's the only easy one to answer in that, yes, it did. Okay. All the other questions about domestication are like way dicier. But, you know, so if we're starting out with domestication and did it happen... We see this kind of body size reduction, the shortening of the snout. From right? what? From, from wolves. From wolves. Okay, yeah. Right. Not bears. No. No badges. No, although it, uh, these are all examples of sort of like of other animals. family that dogs are in. But oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Cool. But there were also behavioral changes. I think some of the question about what those behavioral changes are is actually a little bit dicier than people would think. I mean, isn't the main thing is that like wolves are killers, right? And are like, rah, rah, and like dogs are nicer. I mean, isn't that the big thing? Well, so dogs are sometimes nicer, although you can find different breeds that are not quite as nice. That's right? true. Chihuahuas, I wouldn't, right? You shouldn't blame it on the breed, Sean. Blame it on the training, okay? Definitely training comes in probably more than the breed. But different breeds have different amounts of tolerance for like other dogs. Right, right? just like or, ethnicities. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just kidding. Up. I wonder, should we talk about that really, really briefly? What? No. So, should we mention that dog breeds, by nature of their domestication and really intensive selective breeding, yeah. right, are not the same as human ethnicities or quote-unquote races, right? Like, the oh, kinds okay. of genetic... Well, how about gender, though? Just kidding. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, every single fucking insulty thing that you... <laughs> like, it's like a... Reddit, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Reddit's worst hiss. I just wanted to get you. Yeah, so... Right, so yeah, because of, of like what you said. <laughs> because right. of breeding, dog breeds are not relatable to I'm, ethnicity or race. There's going to be some points in this conversation where I'm going to say some kinds of sort of generalizations about the genetic makeup of a dog breed. Right, and if you changed the noun, it would just sound racist. Right, and the reason why it's more valid for dogs than humans is because dogs were very, very specifically selected upon both 
body shape and function, but also behavior, right? And so there was a very purposeful sort of tendency for, for and and no one, or, well, most of the time, no one's like specifically breeding people to be certain ways. <laughs> fly, get, 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 fly. Stop it. <laughs> get out of there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to put that in there, okay, as sort of this, please don't, Listen to anything that we say, and then you become racist. Because that, that's not at all, like, the point of this. Right. We're talking about dogs. Okay. But the thing about dog behaviorally versus wolves is that a lot of our comparisons have been to wolves in the wild who don't really experience humans very much. And a lot of times they don't like people because they're fucking wild, right? Hmm. But studies with wolves that are kept in kind of these sanctuaries where they actually encounter humans all the time, including when they're very young show that wolves actually get along with people just fine. Oh. But <laughs> wolves in these sanctuaries get along yeah. with people just fine. Do uh. not go up to a wild wolf and expect <laughs> everything to go fine. Yeah, so as long as they're acclimated to people from a young age, right? they get just as used to people as a dog would. Right. Wait, and wait as used to? Like I could go up to a wolf in a sanctuary and like play with it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, what the fuck? So the, the Dude, Stacy, let's get a wolf. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, no, do not you know, Stacy's spirit animal is a wolf mouse. It's a mouse that hunts that goes, oh! Yeah, but that's not a wolf, though, is it? It's well, mouse. it's a wolf mouse. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Okay. So. <laughs> I've been seeing pictures of wolves online, like, with people from these sanctuaries, and it really is a place you can go and, like, play with wolves as if it were a dog. So are wolves really more like a different breed than, like, an entirely separate species? Because so, they can still fuck uh, each other, right? So do- <laughs> dogs are considered a subspecies of wolves. So oh. it's Canis lupus familiaris is what dogs are. So it's Canis lupus. Isn't lupus a disease? Yeah. An autoimmune disease. But it's named after wolves. It's never lupus. <laughs> no, it <laughs> yeah, never okay, ends up being lupus. Right, okay, okay. Actually, one of the interesting things is that in some ways, wolves actually get along better with other stuff than dogs do. I would say one of the main salient differences between dogs and wolves is dogs have become much more focused on human interaction. Right. They're kind of codependent now. We're like in an abusive relationship with dogs. I mean, almost in a certain sense. I don't want to call it abusive, but they are way more focused on people to the point where dogs don't get along with other dogs as well as wolves can get along with other wolves. Oh, that makes sense. So wolf society, the sort of like top wolf the alpha wolf actually is more willing to to deal with sort of shitty underling wolves doing like dumb stuff like they're more tolerant of kind of shitty behavior i remember this from jungle book the new john favreau one where all the side characters get to have their moment (laughs) makes it better (laughs) so but in a lot of dog dog interactions dogs have a tendency to fight less than wolves fight with each other but wolf fights don't have a tendency to get physical as much oh it's kind of more passive aggressive back and forth they'll like snarl at each other and they'll sort of size each other up and they'll have a lot of these kinds of fights but then they don't normally go into actual full physical altercations whereas dogs don't fight as often but when they do it's way more likely to escalate into like physically hurting each other dude let's get a wolf (laughs) wolves sound awesome anyway there's actually interesting studies with wolves and humans cooperating so in some of these sanctuaries they have this like test where basically there's like a tray with food, but it's kind of out of reach. But it's on this uh, little slidey thing where if you pull on a rope at the same time, if, if two people pull on a rope at the same time, you can get the tray. It'll pull towards you. Okay. But if one person pulls on the rope, it'll just kind of like pull straight out of 
the little like you know kind of hole that the rope is in mm. was this study first designed to be wolves and humans or just two dumb humans <laughs> like it, it was it was first designed to look at cooperation between like dogs okay so it's like you train two dogs to be like you only get the thing if both of you pull on this. Right. And then you see how well they can, like, And then they, they tried it on Canadians from Nova Scotia. <laughs> Found it had the same success rate as dogs. <laughs> no one would pull on the rope. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not pulling that, eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were just too patient and waiting for each other. But see, so one of the issues is, like, impulse control, right? Like, that's one of the ideas here, mm. is if you let the dog run up to the rope first, does it have the control to not just start yanking on it to get at the food? They need to understand conceptually that they need a partner, right? Right. And so what they found was that wolves and dogs actually do close to equally well in this experiment. But the big thing is that wolves have a tendency to lead and dogs have a tendency to look to the human to get cues on whether or not they should start pulling. Interesting. So the wolf is like looking at the human being like, hey, fucker, get over here. So the wolf will go up first. It'll grab hold. It knows not to pull yet. But once the human is up there and grabbing onto the rope... The wolf doesn't wait for some kind of signal or any kind of shit. It usually doesn't even look at the person. It's just like, we're in position. We're going to start doing this thing now. <laughs> mm. So That's cool. So you can say maybe that the real big behavioral change of kind of early domestication... Is being a bitch. <laughs> might have been more about deference, right? Deference to humans and kind of a focus on the human-dog relationship at the expense of dog's relationship with a lot of other... Animals, including other dogs. You know what a wolf could have helped with that a dog didn't? To build a fire. Okay, if that guy was with a wolf, you would have built a fucking fire. That dog would have been like, get the flint! Give me the flint! Right? That man would be alive. He had a fucking stupid dog. Just watching him, Aww. just like with an internal monologue, being like, well, look at the human. <laughs> There's actually... There was some thought that one of the reasons why wolves are good at some puzzles, more so than dogs, is that wolves are smarter than dogs. Yeah, I mean, well, dogs don't need to solve the puzzle. Dogs will wait for a human to solve the puzzle. So it is thought that maybe in some other tests, dogs and wolves are about equally as smart. But in anything that involves human deference, dogs will always default to waiting for the human to do something. Right. Whereas I mean, that's like the difference between domestication and not domestication, right? Yeah, like, you should see wild cows. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking geniuses. <He's> Sudokus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the Goodwill hunting story, basically. Is he was just a wild cow the whole time. I'm just saying, like, dogs for, like, a millennia or so now have been used to, like, waiting for the humans to give them their food. Right. But wolves still have to go out and get it themselves, so. You should see Andre's girlfriend with Judas. Judas can't take a shit. <laughs> without, her, without her letting them go take a shit so impressive. Uh, so one other thing in this uh, little um, domestication chunk that we're doing right now I want to mention is there's a phrase that comes up in the literature sometimes called domestication syndrome yeah that's like me and Stacy. I have domestication syndrome. <laughs> yeah, you. You're, I droop my ears. Yeah, your ears started drooping. <laughs> my tail goes down whenever she walks your, in. Your body didn't get smaller. Though. My tail goes up. <laughs> yeah, my belly got bigger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, so, it doesn't always work. But the idea behind domestication syndrome, it's that there are certain things that seem to happen kind of across the board when animals get domesticated. And then there's another version of that for plants. Okay, so we can see this in chickens and pigs and dogs and poodles. Right, yes. And some people suggest that these are because of a group of cells getting kind of... Uh, genes important in those cells getting mutated. These cells are called neural crest cells. And they form on really early in the embryo. So the embryo is developing. Neural Crest definitely sounds like a 90s Johnny Mnemonic style movie with Keanu Reeves as a futuristic surfer. Yes. 
Yes, nice. Little I thought also crest. like a really fancy toothpaste. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's toothpaste for your neuron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Andre has just has like shares in neural. <laughs> it's like Elon Musk's yeah. and like smart paste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's coming. So neural crest cells. Early on during embryo development, when your spinal cord, your protospinal cord is just starting to fold up, these little cells just like pop out of there and run away and just do a bunch of shit all over your body. So it's in a lot of different tissues and it also has to do with like face shape. So that's one Uh. of the thoughts why neural crest might actually just a few tweaks to that one cell type might be responsible. It makes you an Eric Trump. (laughs) i don't know if we had any listeners in the middle of the country but they're gone now um anyway so now the last thing i'll say is that even though domestication syndrome is getting used more and more in the literature there are some scientists who do not think that that's actually a real thing right because like kind of the premise is that these are observable traits you can see across by the way do we list the observable traits so a lot of them have to do with changing facial morphology so like smaller brains and skulls is what i'm seeing yeah and shorter snouts is a big thing that happens like if you look at wild boars compared to domesticated pigs long fuck snouts okay but then wilbur tiny snout right exactly and then ear drooping was another example Like wild aurochs have huge heads, okay? But cows, itty bitty heads. And then tail curling, for some reason, is mm. another sort of trait that's supposed to be part of this domestication okay. syndrome. But that does sound a little tenuous, right? Because it's so many different types of species, different right. domestication histories. Right. And maybe slightly smaller group of scientists that are skeptics will say that if you look at the studies, a lot of people don't even list the same things as being descriptive of domestication. They'll just like drop a trait. Or pick up a new one just because. Hey, so why are pigs smart? Like, if domestication makes you more reliant on humans and dipshitty, then why are pigs, like, so good at being feral? So, I don't think that dogs are dumb. <laughs> okay, yeah, but dogs um, are subservient. Right, and that's not what we bred pigs for. Right, like, we like pig pigs for pork belly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there are fewer tasks that we've bred pigs to do for us besides maybe finding truffles. So, basically, they were already smart, and we're like... I'm going to keep you now, make you fat and eat you. Yeah. And there's no reason for them to be dumb. Yeah. Whereas like maybe early chickens were still pretty stupid. And they just (laughs) are a little bit dumber now. (laughs) But they're still basically dumb. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. That's what I'd go with. Okay. Yeah. Chickens might be way dumber. It's just we don't have a good like way of figuring that out. Shut your mouth, Sean. All right. We're going to take a break now. Okay. And after the break, we're going to talk about domestication. When? When did it happen? Where? Where did domesticate happen? How? How do you domesticate? <laughs> yeah. Let's take a break. We're here in northeastern Victoria, looking for new species of bogan. <coughs> oh, right there. Right there. That's a male mating call. <laughs> oh, I wonder what this bug is up to. Oh, and I think, I think we got something right over here. Oh! Bergen doesn't watch out, he's going to get his bitty ball Bobby bitten off his bubble dogger. If you guys don't know, a Bogan is a poor white trash person from Australia. And if you'd like to join me, Billy Bob Wolgenthogel, listening to Bogans, then please download Bogan Calling Today. Available wherever podcasts are available today. Welcome back to Petri Dish. We're talking about domestication of dogs. 
Now we have a few questions to answer. When, where, and how? Yep. Why? Nope. So Sean, well, well, why? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, now that I've said it, we have to, <laughs> yeah. to say dogs are useful. Because dogs are good. Yeah. But So the when. All right. This is the first of the hard to answer questions. The remains of dogs that genetically and morphologically are not wolves, kind of, they date back to 1,500 years ago in Europe and 12,500 years ago in Asia. And then 10,000 years ago in America. Right. So, so, so basically. That's pretty easy then, though, right? So, dogs, we've had dogs since 15,000 years ago in Europe. Right. Well, so we probably had them from before that. Were the bones, Mr. Science? Yeah. So, that's the thing is that part of the issue is that there was a lot of physical variation in wolves across Eurasia and the Americas. Right, it's not like every wolf looks the same. Right, and that kind of variability in the wolf size also was impacted by, like, what prey they had in the area and stuff like that. And so, actually, what that means is that the further back you go, the harder it is to tell the difference between a hypothetical dog or just a wolf that looked a little weird. Didn't IMAX do a documentary that proved the first human-dog relationship? <laughs> Don't you remember? I think it was a year ago. They sent, they put a cameras around, like, Europe or something, and then sent the cameras 30,000 years ago. Oh. And then they filmed the first boy who met a wolf. Man, those IMAX cameras keep getting better and better. Yeah. That's insane. I know, it's amazing. Dr. Manhattan, thank you. <laughs> so, it's um, Alpha, right? Some scientists are, <laughs> they've been finding bones that they think are dogs that are 30,000 years old or maybe even further back. But all of the dates, in any case, are really comfortably outside the range of agriculture, right? So this was hunter-gatherer times. Yeah, this is a stupid question. Yeah. But a bone that's 30,000 years old does it still look like a bone? Like, I mean, like, does it still look like the like the same as it would if you got the bone, like, tomorrow? It's usually kind of discolored, but, okay. but it does still look like a bone, yeah. Like, yeah. whatever bones are made out of, what, I mean, and we don't know. Like, science is improving. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> but, but whatever bones are made out of are very hard. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like the calcium uh, shit. Um, <laughs> so, Dust. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, the bones are still fine. There are pictures out there of these ancient you know, hypothetically dog bones and everything. And it's really hard to tell. But definitely before we farmed. Before yes. we farmed, we hung out with dogs. Yes, which places dogs as the first domesticated animal. Because mm -hmm. pretty much all the rest of them were after we settled down and wanted them for agriculture. And right. Stuff like that. I mean, and this is this is back in the primordial times when dogs talked to humans. All living things <laughs> and gods spoke to humans still in the your days. And mm -hmm. dogs were like, hey, <laughs> this river looks good. <laughs> Why are we walking around so much? Like all the Pixar movies. <laughs> yeah. <actually. laughs> um, Except dogs like walking around. Well, yeah, but the dog was like, why don't we walk in the morning and you build a shed and you shut the fuck up and I'll keep walking around. <laughs> so where is another open question? Next question, guys. Wow, 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 wow. Where? Yes. So pretty much all of the dogs that are around today, we're pretty certain came from Asia. Oh, European dogs died out. Or there was so much Asian inbreeding and so much importation of these Asian dogs that ultimately the genetic signature from the European dog is like close to nothing. Okay, that's interesting. So yep. Asian dogs are more powerful than European <laughs> dogs. What happened to the American domesticated dogs? Did they die out of smallpox with the natives? Oh, so yeah. so th this, is, this is a good question. And there's... Part of the issue here is talking about when any of this stuff happened, right? First, I want to say, the original domestication event, how many times did it happen? 
right? Right. How many independent places domesticated dogs? Based on genetic signatures, most scientists are very certain that it happened at least in Asia. Some scientists think it also happened independently in Europe, but that there's very little genetic signature of these European dogs left. And then the Okavonga Delta. That's like saying that. <laughs> Wakanda. <laughs> no, unfortunately, no dogs there yet. Interesting. So Africa didn't have any dogs? No. I guess there aren't really any woodland wolves in Africa, right? There are wolves in Africa. What? There are wolves almost everywhere. Antarctica? Nope. Okay, That's besides that much one. It. But otherwise, there are wolves pretty much everywhere. But dogs in the Americas are related to Asian dogs, right? I mean, like, they probably went with humans across the land bridge. Right, yes, exactly. That is exactly where those dogs first came from. But the other thing to say about it is no current American dog breed is descended from those original dogs that crossed over with the people across what? the land bridge. What? Not yep. even the Mexican hairless dog? The nope. Quetzalcoatl? Nope. What about the Tenochtitlan? Nope. What about the Yucatan? Nope. I mean, none of them. I'm none not... of those dogs? Yes. What about the Oaxacan Mexican restaurant down on Gardena? <laughs> so there is no genetic signature left. Wow. From that original dog that crossed over the land bridge with the first Americans. Dude, I'm filled with with unconsolable sadness right now. Yeah, that's a bummer. I feel like Coco 2 should be about that. <laughs> They're not. The last Mexican None dog. of them are left anymore. But yeah, so there's a little bit of argument amongst the scientists who are talking about the kind of Asian origination point about where in Asia, right? There's some evidence that would suggest Southeast Asia, some evidence that suggests Southwest Asia, and some evidence that suggests uh, kind of a part of China. Isn't Southwest Asia just like Iraq? I don't, uh, is that how far west goes for the Asia thing? I guess so. Yeah, Asia goes all the way to like Palestine. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny how we don't think of that part of the world as Asia, but like you watch the BBC and they're like, now in more Asian news, Iraq. And you're like, what? So part of the idea there is when they're looking at the genetic signatures, like the mitochondria in these dogs or the Y chromosomes, they're looking to see what areas do like kind of their wild dogs or their like mongrel mutt dogs, quote unquote town dogs, have the most genetic variability. Okay. Because when you look at people, Africa has the most genetic variability because that's where we started, right. right? And everywhere else in the world has less genetic variability because we all descended from that small number of people who left Africa. So the verdict's out about which part of Asia has the most genetic variability based on the study. Right, yeah. It's still up in the air. People aren't super sure. But it seems pretty certain Asia is one of them. And genetic variability has nothing to even necessarily do with breeds. Right, yes. Because breeds being phenotypical, phenotype, yeah. Yeah. being about phenotype means that like, you could be mostly genetic the same, you just happen to breathe really shitty, and thus now you're a bulldog. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things is that, that it's called admixture, which is the kind of mixing of these different dogs by the Victorians to make a bunch of different breeds. Right. That ended up making it so that... There's like a bunch of different dog breeds that have different jobs and everything, but they're actually kind of closely related to each other. Right. And this is something we're going to talk about more in part two. Yes. But first we'll talk about the the how. Okay. How did we get this big association between humans and wolves in the first place, right? Because they're fucking wild animals. Well, we're probably hunting the same stuff, right? Like humans running in woods, wolf is running in wolf. We're, you know, hunting the same maiden and... You know, we get to her and the dog gets to her and we're like, well, let's share. That's entirely possible. That hunting cooperation was actually the reason why humans and wolves kind of interacted with one another. I'm so smart. 
<laughs> wild canines like coyotes and stuff like that also hunt with other animals. What? And, yeah. So like the, what other animal? Uh, badgers. What? Yeah. There, there, there are, there are. Minds got blown. What do coyotes and badgers eat that are the same? I thought like groundhogs and shit. What? Yeah. I thought badgers ate honey. No, nah, dude. Honey badgers. Honey badgers eat honey. <laughs> why are, other shit too? Why are honey badgers the least sweet? Like, why are, <laughs> <laughs> they're the scariest badgers, and they don't taste that good. It's weird. Yeah, but badgers and coyotes cooperate. They, they get along just fine, and they actually have a higher success rate in their hunts when they hunt together. That makes perfect sense, right? They realize symbiotically, which is funny because I remember Werner Herzog and Grizzly Man. He says nature is murder, and it's like no, Werner, nature is murder and symbiosis. Yeah. And that's like, that could have happened with humans and wolves. It's kind of funny because it, I think, kind of undermines what, how we think of ourselves. The idea that, like, humans are not necessarily smarter than dogs. It's like a human and a wolf are, like, equally smart. And then they look at each other like, we did it. And it's like, sugar and spice. <laughs> it's like two cops. The dog's the good cop and we're the bad cop. Yeah, well. Like partners. It is an interesting thought, but it is very likely that human-wolf cooperation led to more successful hunts on both ends but maybe we just stole a bunch of puppies it's possible that part of it could have been we found abandoned wolf pups or something like that we picked them up we raised them ourselves because they were cute and as has been demonstrated in wolf sanctuaries wolves that are highly acclimated to people end up having a lot of the behaviors we normally associate with dogs that's probably why rome was always so neurotic is like He's like, you, you went oh. to go find some puppies, and there's these two babies. And the whole life, Romulus and Remus are growing up, people kicking them, being like, we wanted dogs. We wanted two dogs, and we got you losers. And then they found a city. They're like, you know what? I'm as good as a dog. Woof. And then they make this city, and it, it like, infiltrated the culture of Rome forever. It's like, they've always been, like, overachieving douches. So right to Until, us. like, 500. And then all of a sudden, they're the laziest people on earth. Write to us at petridishpod at gmail.com and let us know if you got that reference to the founding of Rome. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Don't talk to us. <laughs> Everybody knows that shit. I'm a little mad at you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And then the last one is the trash heap hypothesis, which okay. is that wolves who can also scavenge kills, right, might have been attracted to trash heaps from human hunter-gatherer sort right. of like We eat a camps. bear, but we don't eat everything necessarily. Throw it out. The wolf comes. Over time, wolves are like, oh, fuck, if hang on humans, we get their shit. Yeah. To be fair, this hypothesis was a little bit more popular back when we thought dogs were domesticated after the start of agriculture. Right. But more and more bone findings has resulted in kind of pushing that date. And so it's sort of shifted in how popular it is. Well, and I might be wrong about this, but it also is shifts with our understanding of hunter-gatherers, right? Like, we used to think of hunter-gatherers as having a problem with scarcity. And the more we study hunter-gatherers, the more we realize that they kind of had enough food all yeah. the time. Yeah. And so it would be entirely plausible that they would still have trash heaps that were good enough for wolves to be like, meow, 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 meow. Yeah, and these ideas are not mutually exclusive, right? right? Like, the there could have been a number of events that led us to get more comfortable having wolves around. And once that sort of became more acceptable, it was sort of a an inevitability that domestication was going to crop up at least somewhere. And maybe more than once, right? Well, guys, let's take another break. Because now that we've talked about the what, where, when, why, how, we're going to talk about some different dog breeds. It turns out some dog breeds are better than others. <laughs> and we're going to really go through them. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go into, yeah, like the genetics of dog breeds. Hint, chow chows are dicks. Let's <laughs> take a break. The following is an actual advertisement. 
Hello, I'm Matthias Carnero, host of the Controller Disconnected podcast. It's a little show I make by myself where I talk about whatever games I've been playing recently and other subjects related to games as well. Sometimes I even do movie reviews just to shake things up. If you enjoy listening to my weird accent, episodes are released every week wherever podcasts are sold. Well, actually, podcasts are free, but you know what I mean. Okay, guys, we're back with Petri Dish. Now, we're going to talk about dog breeds, and apparently there's different categories of dog breeds. What's going on, Sean? Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways to split up dog breeds. This section is not just going to be a list of dog breeds. That's obviously not fun for anybody. It'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at the show notes. I see a list of dog breeds. Yeah, and we're going to have you read them in a second. But um, the first chunk of dogs that I do want to talk about is a group of dogs called basal breeds. And what that means is that over time, they've become sort of isolated from a lot of other dogs and haven't really bred with other dogs a lot. So so what that means is they have kind of this longer legacy of not really getting bred to other breeds. That doesn't really mean that they are, quote unquote, more ancient or anything like that. It right? does mean they're pure and thus better. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I will say is that basal breeds have a tendency to be healthier with fewer of these like deleterious genetic fuck-ups that some of these, you know, hyper-bred dogs by the Victorians have. But in any case, what are these basal breeds? Let's have... Our guest Andre read this list aloud. All right, Akita. Akita. <laughs> Be, uh, correct me if I'm mispronouncing any of these. Uh, Basenji. Nice. Name I was also. waiting for you to really fuck up. <laughs> like Basenji. <laughs> Sharpay. Nice. Finnish Spitz. Saluki. The fuck is a Saluki? Are, are any of these made up? These are all real. Okay. Um, Shot made up Saluki. No, Saluki's real. Saluki sounds like a Japanese spit technique. (laughs) Saluki's a really weird looking one. (laughs) And the Finnish spit sounds like a Finnish spit technique. (laughs) (laughs) Finnish spit sounds like exactly what it is. Finnish spit looks a lot like uh, Shiba Inu. Yeah, I thought spits was a category of dog. Like the spits type dogs. Because there is the Finnish spits. And it's the most famous. Other dogs. Well, it's because it's European. That's why it's a Eurocentric thing. Wow. Anyway, Andre, keep going. Samoyed. Sure. Siberian Husky, Shiba Inu, New Guinea Singing Dog. You're a liar, <laughs> Sean. You're a liar. That's not real. No. <laughs> a d- dingo. Nailed it. A Canaan. 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 That's just no. That's the Bible, bro. Like that's <laughs> it's, Palestine. It's the same. Chow Chow, Afghan Hound. And Alaskan Malamute. So besides Chow Chow, which is a piece of shit dog, that's a pretty good list. I like the look of a lot of those dogs. I will say that a lot of times their attitudes are a little less obedient. Right. They're a little bit naughtier. Because they're more ancient. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily... Dogs live for ancient. thousands of years. They might not have been bred as specifically for obedience, unlike, you know, say, retrievers or something like that. Right. To retrieve things. Yeah, and to not crush them, right? Quote, unquote, soft mouth. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't actually know that. I thought retrievers just got you back stuff. All dogs get you back stuff. Retrievers <laughs> don't kill the thing that gets you back. Right, or like destroy it, right? So yeah. in a lot of times in, in uh, a lot of gun dogs, there's different yeah. kinds of gun dogs. The fuck is a gun dog? It's dogs meant for hunting, but oh. there's different 
not, you don't hunt the dogs. <laughs> no, oh. the, the dogs was... collect the thing you just shot. Oh, so, so th- those a gun are... dog sounds like, first of all, it sounds like Gundam. Second, it sounds like robotic dogs that have been cybernetically engineered with guns. It's like, gun the dog, a gun dog fly. I mean, that sounds dope, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, okay. But retrievers are just one kind of gun dog, right? There are also flushing dogs that will actually run. What? They'll run into the bushes to scare the game out so that you oh, can shoot them. It's a category of dog, a flushing right. dog. What's an example? Uh, I no longer remember what example flushing dogs are. Stacey, what's one? Poodles. No, poodles are water retrievers. Yeah. So you'll shoot a duck down over like a marsh. Yeah. And then the poodle will wade out into the marsh to go get the duck and bring it back. (laughs) Well, actually. It's a shitty job. So, uh. They have a fun time doing it. (laughs) Labrador retrievers and Newfoundlands are also examples of water retriever dogs. Absent from that list that Andre read was any Korean dog, and I'm bringing that up because I know our mom is going to bring this up. Well, your mom. But both. Uh, she, she hasn't told you yet? She is. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm an alien. <laughs> wow, that's... <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm Mork from Mindy and Mork. That does a lot of You're things. You're Mindy. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is that how that worked? <laughs> anyway, okay. So I did look up these Korean dogs, like Jindos, for example. And it turns out they're actually Japanese dogs. That oh, okay. my God. Just kidding. I was kidding. I was Mom kidding. would fucking kill us. I was us. kidding. Um, no. So they're actually more closely related to Chinese dogs like Sharpei and Chow Chow. It's funny how in Korea it's like, oh, yeah, that's a Chinese thing. But it's like, is that a Japanese thing? They're like, you you, you need to leave. Right. Yes. <laughs> things get very dicey. You go that direction. Yeah, like, yeah. You travel east a little bit and all of a sudden things are fucked up. Yeah. Yes, so they're fairly closely related to those dogs, and they're actually, the way that they kind of genetically group is fairly close to wolves, and and then Japanese dogs, like the Shiba Inu, are kind of on the other side of Jindos, away from wolves, even though they look really similar. Right, and that's because genetic variance does not always get expressed physically. Like, that's right. an important thing to always remember. Like, I knew, I had a really, 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 really racist boss who did not believe that there's a lot of genetic diversity in Africa, because he was like, oh, well, they're all black. And you're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, oh, you're just a liberal. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> that is racist. <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. Okay. So we have these basal dog breeds and then we have all these other breeds that like, you know, I don't know about people's familiarity with the dogs on that list, but a lot of the ones people do think of like Jack Russell Terrier or Golden Retriever and stuff like that was not on that list. A lot of those dogs were invented by the Victorians. So let's imagine in the 1700s, you had like all sorts of dogs, right? In the 1800s, you had like an emergent middle class in England that we call the Victorian era after Queen Victoria. These guys, they're all posh, they're bougie, they have a lot of leisure time, and they're like, I want to get dogs fucking. (laughs) (laughs) I want to fuck dogs together. (laughs) And, And this was actually pretty important for dog history, right? Yes, well, this is why now we have, like, over 450 breeds of dog. What? Is because the Victorians really fucking went to town on this shit. And part of that includes some stuff with Darwin, right? Like, even the idea of evolution and species and stuff like that, right? So, very classic bougie thing is, like, Darwin writes a paper and some bitch somewhere is reading it and being like, I could get some dogs, fuck it. Yeah, so it's fun that you use the word bitch. I actually read that word more than I've ever read it in my life in <laughs> researching this topic. We read different things. You are not on the same subreddit forums yeah, as me. Oh my god. That's what say. You're not on the red pill? Yeah. Um, okay, so. Uh, fuck. Yes, so 
there was this really intense period with the Victorians. There was the establishment of kennel clubs, which was the idea that you wanted to be able to breed dogs together to have certain kind of characteristics. And then once you had those characteristics, you wanted to keep breeding those dogs together until they quote unquote bred true. So your maximum inbreeding basically. Well, so there's a period of time where it's not inbreeding. It's almost like mixing stuff together to like make some kind of special hobo spice right. mix. But then you, but, but, <laughs> but then you get your special hobo spice mix. You write down the ingredients and you never change it. Right, and so that is the concept of a breed now, and the kennel clubs and these different groups that sort of maintain the breed is that the breed has specific characteristics, and you know that a dog is true bred by a combination of genetic tests but that they also breed true. So that means that if you mate them to another of its kind, all of the puppies are pretty much still that kind. Can I ask you a stupid question? Go for it. What is a kennel? I've never known what a kennel is. It's a place to keep dogs. That's just the bottom of the bed, isn't it? Uh, for like hunting and stuff <laughs> like that, there'd be a kennel of dogs to set loose for the hunt. They wouldn't sleep with their puppies? No, dude. England no. was a dark place. Although, although there was kind of around that time period, a little bit earlier even, the establishment of some dogs actually for that purpose, right? Like like bed dogs and stuff right. like that, you know? It's interesting because I would probably want a dog like that if we had a dog. But Stacy, she's already shown me the Iron Maiden where she'd have the dog sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Crane's just had different attitudes for dogs. She's <laughs> like, the dog sleeps here. <laughs> I'm like poking the spike and my blood's coming out my thumb. And I was like, I don't know, baby. <laughs> That's not true. So... <laughs> So one of the things I think is interesting is that there are dog breeds that exist now that if you read their history or whatever, it talks about like, oh, this actually goes back to before the Victorians and everything, right? And it's a nice thought, but a, lo <laughs> a lot of times it's not true, okay? Oh, okay? And the reason why is that there was a dog breed, like the Irish Wolfhound, for example, okay. which is a dope kind of dog. Yeah, Irish big, Wolfhounds are huge. And they would hunt wolves. Like, that was like the fucking point of them was hunting wolves. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um, so they're, they were badasses and the Irish ones are in all kinds of tales, right? Like Celtic tales right. of like, I think Cuckoo Lane, I think was what it was called. It, it, he was, you made that up. No, Cuckoo Lane, I think was like Cuckoo, the hound. Cuckoo Lane is like a, is a famous street in Switzerland. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> that, that got funnier to me. As, as, um, so the Irish wolfhound was awesome, but in the late 1700s in Ireland, wolves Went extinct. Tragic. So what do you need wolfhounds for, right? So they, they basically They stopped. were too good at their job. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so there was a related breed called the Scottish wolfhound, which actually now is the Scottish deerhound, because they just started having them hunt deer. <laughs> I mean, and in, in 10 years after Brexit, it's going to be the Scottish refugee hound, right? <laughs> I think oh we God. all know where that's going, guys. Jesus Christ. Uh, I want a dog that'll hunt me some scotch. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that one? You don't need that big of a dog for that. <laughs> In any case. Don't, don't those dogs die like after seven or eight years because their like bodies, just like their heart has to work so much harder to keep them alive? Uh, I thought they had a short lifespan. Larger dogs do tend to have shorter lifespans. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, they do. And also the more true bred a dog is, also the shorter its lifespan tends to be. Right. But in any case, so the Irish Wolfhound went extinct. Wow. Okay. Gone. And then some Victorian dude was like reading these Celtic legends. It's like, that dog sounds dope. Right. I want to breed a dog that fits the description of an Irish oh. wolfhound. And so he started mixing together different dogs. Right? I see he, in your he notes. made a stew. I see in your notes it says he took a Scottish deerhound, added some Great Dane, 
and then killed a borzoi, <laughs> turned into a fine dust, and then sprinkled it on top of the other dogs. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, while they were banging. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the point is that all of these Irish wolfhounds now are actually descended from something that this Victorian dude did because he was interested in recreating a dog from the past. People had too much time and power in like 1800 Britain because there was like, it's interesting because it's a little different from modern America where I think in modern America, we're so driven by Hobbesian capitalism that even if you could do terrible things, you're mostly still just working at McDonald's to try to survive. Whereas in England, you could live with a little bit of money and be just like a naturalist in your free time and be like, I'm going to fuck a new dog into existence. Yeah, you'd have like your estate, right? (laughs) Like set up. It's like some big fucking house, and you'd be right. like, I don't know what to do. You know and just, mean? like, breed orchids. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, like, legitimately. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, in so much of the weird stuff you buy at Trader Joe's now is, like, because of Victorian <laughs> England. <laughs> like, all that tikka masala. <laughs> so, so, the sort of Victorian event, the explosion of breeds that came from that, there was definitely a lot of stuff that went on. Right? Like, so, Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, all of these dogs are actually because of some Victorians that took this dog from Canada, like a St. John's Retriever or something like that. It does not exist anymore. Oh. It also went extinct. Wow. But that dog's legacy was Newfoundlands and pretty much all of the Retrievers. Interesting. Okay. So Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, all that stuff. But besides the Victorian shit, there was also World War II. Okay, wait, wait. So Victorian shit happens. We have a proliferation of breeds, and we get them closer and closer to true breeds. Yeah. Which means that they're less genetically diverse. Yes. Okay, and then we're kind of, we do a couple world wars. We make talkie movies, the jazz singer, uh, you know, nothing to fear but fear itself. 1939. We, Germany, not we. I'm not, I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> Germany invades <laughs> Poland. <laughs> What happens to dogs in World War II? I mean, they're mostly happy, right? Because humans are killing each other. They can finally be free. So I think one of the things that is, I don't know if this is a hidden story or not, but a lot of fucking dogs died in the World Wars also. Um, it, it's like, you know, horses. Yeah. In World War One. Yeah. It's like a lot of humans died. Fucking a lot of horses died. Yes. A lot of horses <laughs> died, but also just across the board. Animals. A lot of dogs directly died. And then a lot of dogs fell off the priority list. You know okay, what, what do you mean, mean by that? I mean, for some dogs, the living situation that they had become accustomed to, food was no longer a priority for dogs. It was more meant for, like, kids right. and for families and stuff You have like that. rations and shortages. Right. In some families, the kid comes first. Yes. And the dog comes second. Yeah. So, right. So, for example, the English Mastiff basically got brought down to eight breeding individuals by the wow. end of World War II. So there was eight left. And realistically, all Mastiffs existing now are somewhat related to those dogs, but actually got bred out temporarily to other kinds of Mastiff and then kind of bred back in into a single breed. It's funny. Because otherwise, know, I'd just be like hemophiliacs or something. They'd all have the Habsburg chin. More yeah. Or. You know, and there, there was eight non-breeding dogs, and they all got in a car and rode down to Spain. And then one of them, Woof, Road, Heavy Ray, wrote, The dog also rises. <laughs> wow. Shit, His cock getting blown off <laughs> led him to write really amazing literature. Good God. <laughs> anyway, in Japan, actually, the Shiba Inu had a similar type situation where, yeah i don't know if you guys know this but world war ii man yes japan yeah not great for hard time 
But basically, uh, there used to be kind of multiple regional types of Shiva, hmm. but all of their levels got depleted so much during the war that right. basically all Shibas now are kind of crossbred from these original separate regional Shibas, the Mino, Sanin, and Shinshu breeds. Yeah. All got kind of like tossed together. And to the Hakata them. and the Shoyu. What? Uh, <laughs> Why are you doing this? Jujitsa. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you eat ramen in LA like we do, uh, all ramen types are actually named after the different Shiba dogs that they would make the ramen out of in World 2. You are yeah. son of a bitch. The Hakata Shiba used to be a really popular dog. That was fucking terrible. Anyway... <laughs> So, you know, the last thing that I want to say about all of this breed stuff is that obviously individual variation exists, right? People will look at their specific dog and then look at the description of that breed and be like, my dog's not like that, right? right. Like, like the, My dog's a Sagittarius. Like, it's like horoscopes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, or like, you know, we're brothers. We're kind of the same breed in a way, but you're just taller than me somehow. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that's the I'm only glad, difference i'm glad that's the trait that you went with it's like our c- the same size but you're three inches taller like how'd that happen whoops a doodle <laughs> all right you know that said the kind of breeding the selective forces in the breeding does make it so that there are physical and behavioral traits that are associated with different dog breeds and even though individuals can vary outside of that there's kind of less variation than you'd expect out of just like random dogs that got to bang with each other all the time, right? So this is, the breeding process really did make it so that, for example, retrievers have a tendency to be very, very obedient just because that was selected for very heavily during the breeding process. It's interesting that obedience is like a selectable trait, you know, because obedience feels like such a conditioned concept. It's interesting. I mean, this gets back to some things that we've talked about with the brain, that like, traits that are psychological still at some point have to be physical right Right. yeah well i I think that that's actually a really good point where we're going to get in a little bit to that in part two so that's a nice segue for the future but in some ways some neurotransmitters can do things to even humans can have mutations in certain neurotransmitter receptors and stuff like that that can really seem to change broadly personalities right gattaca gattaca (laughs) yeah what? Well, because it's Gattaca, doing, but Al Pacino. Attica, but yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right, so so that closes us out for part one on dogs. Guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Andre. You're welcome. Yeah. I dedicate this episode to Judas, his sacrilegious dog, named after the killer of Christ. Well deserved. <laughs> also, thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Judas is a Christian retriever. <laughs> thank you, Stacy, my wife and sound engineer. Holy shit. Thank you to Brian Allen for the artwork, and thank you guys for listening to us. You can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. Send your dog photos. Sean loves dog photos. Yeah, tweet me dog photos at dishpodcast on Twitter. Marion Williamson want to issue a formal apology for Sean's Twitter argument with you? Why? Just kidding. Yeah, no way. Fuck her. (laughs) But we should apologize to Hulu, which in a previous episode we denigrated as having no good shows, but Handmaid's Tale is on Hulu. That's all right. What? It's a better book than a TV show. All right. Well, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Pen 15, though. That's a good show. That's on Hulu? Yeah. (laughs) Fuck me. It's way better than Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) All right. Patreon.com slash Petri Dish if you want to give us Dollar Money. bills per month is a thing. To the Scottish gentleman who signed up, thank you. I hope you're still listening. <laughs> yeah. I will soon learn your name. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, hopefully we'll try to be less offensive to Scots in the future. And I hope you get into USC. 
And I hope you get into the Proclaimers. All right, so thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Da 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 da